You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 134 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on August 6th. This is Vince along with Gramps. What's going on? Not yet. Not yet. But it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) You still got until till like March until that's actually true. I mean, I I figured you would be working on some great grandchildren by now. No. Yeah. Nice. That's really the best (laughs) that you could come up with. I told you about this yesterday. You had an entire day and this is the best you could come up with. Honestly, I started coming up with it about two seconds ago as I was saying it. Because right. so. Joe said he's already planned stuff. He's already working on it. He's got stuff scripted. He's he's ready. Really? Yes. <laughs> Will we see it? Well, he's got no light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's mean. <laughs> He'll have 5,000 words at least, though, written. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. He started... <laughs> Oh God. Okay. You good? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) That was so mean. (laughs) See, Joe, it's not always just me who's mean to you. Oh, he knows. He knows. All right. All right. Well, this week we're talking about the enemy within storyline. And uh, that started off with a one shot uh, titled Avengers Enemy Within and then bounced back and forth between Avengers Assemble and Captain Marvel. Uh, Avengers Assemble 16 and 17 as well as Captain Marvel 13 and 14. And this goes back to a comic we talked about several months ago. I think it was Captain Marvel 8 or 9. That it was an issue we both really enjoyed, and it ended with you know the revelation that Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, had a brain lesion, and that was you know a big bombshell. And we had both said that the you know the plot twist, uh, you know the big moment was one thing, but it would be a matter of seeing how it was handled that would ultimately decide it. And this is pretty much the big culmination of that all coming together. And I think overall it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good follow up. Yeah, we actually talked about this um, this issue. I know that I brought it up at least in our what we're reading at one point mm-hmm. um, because I was really impressed with the first this first part of the story. I, again, I don't. It, it's all just marketing stupidity. Why have it as a number one in and of itself when it's part of an ongoing story in two others series? Ongoing series to me that was absolute stupidity. But anyways, that notwithstanding. The setup in this number one was really, really good. And as for how it progressed from there, that's another story. But I mean, the, the to get the ball rolling as a first part of a story arc, holy crap, this was just phenomenal beginning to end. So all of the issues were written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And in the interest of time, I'm just going to say there is about eight or nine artists that worked on this in various capacities over the course of the five issues. But in the issues of Captain Marvel that were actually leading up to this, we saw how things were working out for Carol that, you know, the, she, she isn't just a regular human. Uh, she was actually modified at a genetic level. We're going to get into all that later to actually change her to be part Cree, which allows her to use these powers. But of course that means doctors really don't know what to do for her. Like they, they can't even really operate or even x-ray her properly. So it's a lot of best guess, but you know, they've pinpointed that it's a 
lesion in her brain that is in you know the Cree part of her brain, if you will. And it seems that the center that controls her flight powers, which would be you know some of the most stressful uh, of use of her powers, is really what's going to affect the lesion. So she can't fly. Is that is what her doctor tells her? And of course, this is a big deal because well, Carol's a pilot. So even with or without the plane, flying is the thing you know she really enjoys most about being Captain Marvel. And now you take that away from her. We had a lot of great storylines of you know her getting the flying motorcycle and you know all this stuff of her having to deal with this now. But at the same time, she started getting visits from you know old villains, uh, namely Deathbird, an old uh, Shi'ar enemy of hers. And well, when you're fighting a flying enemy and you're used to flying yourself, you really have to come up with new ways to deal with this. And of course, in the course of the storyline, she ended up having to fly at least for a brief moment to defeat the enemy. And, you know, she blacked out, crashed to earth. It's not going too well for her. So here we come to this particular storyline and the enemies keep showing up. Enemies from her past uh, in this first uh, bit here, the grapplers, you know, group of super powered female wrestlers. But basically every interaction is driven to really force her to have to fly and that there's a larger picture behind this that's really putting Carol into a bad spot. Well, what you're saying too about like the the bigger enemies that she's having to fight where she has to use the the flight, even these idiot wrestlers, I mean, even just (laughs) the the, the pound cakes one is enough. I'm I'm sorry, that's a great name. (laughs) That she could take Danvers down if if she really wanted to just because of the shock that it was causing to like her brain and everything. So it's that they, they, Kelly Sue does a really good job in emphasizing just how crippling this not being able to fly is. And, and she does a really good job because like, again, you'd think about it and you think, well, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But then when you realize just how important it is, on such a profound level with every type of villain that she comes across, then it's something that, again, it's, it, it really hinders her in a large way. So then when you're seeing the setup again for all of these idiot, again, villains <laughs> that are useless, <laughs> but for this purpose, just to deflect her kind of thing, are strong enough because of the problems that she's having now that they can do some serious damage. What I really liked about this is, I mean, the, the, the first part starts off with her interactions with Spider-Woman. And I remember when we talked about this Fantastic. before, I love this. I, I just absolutely love the, the interactions between those two, that, that whole bit with this, this thing you're doing to my face, touching me, I want it to stop. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> like all of that. But I also liked how throughout the stories too, you're seeing her with uh, various Avengers and how they really and and I'm not a huge Avengers fan. I, I mean I am, but I'm not. Like you, you're much more of a fan of of the various Avengers titles than I am. And even then, though, like you're you're getting a real sense of pride and of, of camaraderie and everything. Like the the stuff, not just with Spider Woman, but in this issue as well with Thor. And I really really dug that a lot. You liked something with Thor. I liked the interactions with Thor. But he those interactions wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't Thor. So by pants, association, pants. you liked something with Thor. Nancy Pants. I'm just making a point. It's, it's incorrect. That this is the beginning of your change. No. We're, we're making you a better person, Roger. No. <laughs> but in addition to the fact that these are all enemies from Carol's personal past, they're also affecting her in a very personal way. Like as we saw uh, 
the grapplers were really sort of almost a distraction from Carol's larger problem that, you know, the old lady Rose, you know, that knits those awesome hats has gone missing. Come to find out she was actually kidnapped and held prisoner behind dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) But then we also know that, uh, it, it, that in and of itself was also a distraction to get her away from her apartment. And even what we saw with Deathbird, that it was coming after her at her home and really affecting the people that she cared about, her neighbors, her friends, and especially this little girl. I, you know, <laughs> I've read enough comics and watched enough TV and movies to know that when they set up this little kid character, it, it's, it's emotional manipulation. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. But I fall for it every time. <laughs> <laughs> because this little kid, Kit, is Captain Marvel's biggest fan. Dresses like Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is her, her favorite superhero. And Carol, you know, plays her part, even, you know, gives her her own rank in the Carol Corps of Lieutenant Trouble and, you know, all this stuff. But it just works so well. I loved the interaction between Carol and Kit. I mean, it, it fits the story and it gives it that great personal touch. But it's not just with her. When you're looking sure. at the stuff that takes place not in this issue but later on, all the stuff that is with the rest of the people in the building, you really get this profound sense of her as a person and not just her as an Avenger kind of thing. And I, I really love that. It's the same stuff we're digging in Hawkeye that works so well yes, there. Exactly, yes. Because, yeah, anybody can be a great superhero, you know, and when supervillains and rescuing, you know, people falling off of buildings. But, you know, so many people just in normal life, like, I don't talk to most of my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> so things continue building up. Uh, she finds out that a fragment of the Psyche Magnetron that she's been keeping in her apartment has now been stolen. And this is where we kind of have to, you know, do the little sound effect and time travel to explain what the hell the Psyche Magnetron is. Way, way back in the original Captain Marvel comic back in the 60s, uh, Carol was just kind of almost like a bystander at the time. And uh, this other villainous Kree had found the Psyche Magnetron, a uh, weapon of incredible power and potential that was so powerful, the Kree said, uh, we can't have it on our home planet. Let's send it to that backwater place on Earth. And it, like I said, it, phenomenal cosmic power. Let's just go with that, okay? <laughs> and through the fights with Captain Marvel, the Psyche Magnetron ends up being destroyed. At the same time, somewhat granting Carol's you know, desires to be more like Captain Marvel and actually bonds some of his Kree DNA to her, and that's where she gains her powers. But at the same time, the Magnetron is exploded and Yon-Rogg is atomized. And well, we come to find out that Yon-Rogg himself was sort of bonded with the Psyche Magnetron and through sheer force of willpower was able to pull his body back together, and this is now the most comic book thing I've ever seen. I'm no no keep going you're doing good. <laughs> I mean <laughs> what can you say at this yeah, point really? But whatever. That's the story we're working yeah, well, with. like and, really. <laughs> okay. I mean honestly I, we talk about a guy that was bitten by a radioactive spider all Makes the time. Makes a lot so more sense <laughs> than that, this. That has now switched his brain with his greatest villain. So I mean we yeah. really can't point fingers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a comic book you just kind of have to go with it at some points. But this is now shows why it's such a personal thing for Carol that, you know, Jan Rog has this incredible hatred for her specifically and is coming after her because he needs all of the fragments of the magnetron to you know really come to this full force of power so now we have a brood invasion of earth (laughs) which is where we really get to see all the avengers coming together and just 
some great teamwork and stuff going on there. The, the team dynamics weren't as much here as we've seen in some of the other issues, but it also kind of makes sense because this is really a Captain Marvel-focused story. But we still get those fun little bits of the Avengers working together, fighting off the brood, at dealing with Agent Brand, who is, they really need to do more with her. Yes, I love yes. that character. <laughs> her and Beast together. They need to do a crap load more. Yeah, unfortunately, that series lasted five issues, so... <laughs> Go back and read it. It was actually pretty entertaining, written by Kieran Gillen. Anyway, <laughs> that we now come to realize that the source of Carol's brain lesion is a fragment of the psychomagnetron that's been embedded there, shrapnel, ever since the original explosion. And that is what's giving Jan Rog so much influence over her that, you know, he's literally in her head. And it just comes together in this huge chaotic bit where now dormant Cree sentries that have been stationed on Earth for hundreds of years are where coming to life. Where did that come from? <laughs> Is that actually anywhere or did this just crop out of Kelly Sue's brain? <laughs> it's, they, they pop up quite frequently, okay. actually. Because <laughs> this seemed to be just a spur of the moment. How about there's a whole bunch of these robots all over the world? Well, there, there actually are. <laughs> so Apparently. <laughs> because, like I said, the, the Earth was pretty much a dumping ground for forgotten Cree technology. Like, they, they've been stashing stuff here since, you know, we were first learning how to use fire. So it, it's, it's not completely unbelievable. Combined with the fact that, you know, Jan Rog now possesses the power of the Psyche Magnetron and can pretty much create these things at will as well. So, it again, it's comic book. You kind of got to go oh, with well, certain I, things. I, I did. I did. <laughs> but here's where we get some more great work with the actual Avengers. And like one of my favorite panels in this entire storyline is uh, Spider-Woman and Hulk, who we've seen previously, great interactions yes. between the two of them, where Hulk is just, you know, pumped, ready for battle. And she's like stuck to his back, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman style. It, it was just a great little picture. Like, I love that one panel. You know what this did as well? In addition to being a phenomenal Carol Danvers story, it really made me want to see a Spider-Woman little story arc like this as well, or miniseries, mm-hmm. really in a big way of this quality. Yeah, and you can tell it's every writer when they when they come to certain team books has certain characters that you know work for them. Like with Bendis, it was you know Luke Cage on the Avengers. And it seems that for Kelly Sue's work with Avengers, it's, it's going to be Jess is kind of like her her favorite to work with. And that's, that's great because, you know, that's a character that has a certain fan following and really deserves more of a spotlight. I think that she can have, well, I mean, if you look at even Captain Marvel before was not the level of fandom that it is now. And that's all thanks to what Kelly Sue's been doing with it. I mean, Jesus, I, we know dudes on Twitter who are getting tattoos of the Captain Marvel emblem. Okay. So like, this is, there's a lot of fans here. And then there was the internet Captain Marvel thing that they did as well which i didn't uh, quote unquote attend i don't know what happened but it was online (laughs) they did something i know or it's coming up there's something anyways so like i mean and it's because again of the caliber of writing when you look at the rich history that jess has as well my god put it in kelly sue's hands you could have a field day it'd be amazing Mm mm-hmm uh as long as we're talking about it uh bendis actually did some really good work with uh Jess a few years back too, if you want to check that stuff out. Cool. Okay. All right. So this all comes together in the fact that Jan Rog has, he tried to go back to the Cree. The Cree didn't want him. <laughs> the great dismissive dismission there. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's just, 
thanks for your service. You're, you, you're no longer no needed longer here. <laughs> Put out to pasture. So he decides if he can't go back to Cree, he'll bring the Cree to him and recreate the Cree homeworld of Hala on Earth. And I think in the spectrum of supervillain plans, forming an entire city out of thin air and landing it on top of New York is probably a new one. That was pretty cool. It was well done. I, I liked it. <laughs> like, I mean, you're trying to come up with threats. I mean, we've seen alien invasions. We've seen, you know, doomsday devices. I've never seen someone literally try to land one city on top of another. Yeah. <laughs> I like, though, that it created a real sense of urgency because it wasn't just that he was working at, you know, developing it all, but also that it was coming down. Mm-hmm. And so as it's hitting the tallest buildings, you're seeing the damage. So there's that as the, the, the this little miniseries is going on, you're actually feeling that rush of the this countdown as it's going to flatten New York like a pancake. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go into too much detail about the ending, but let's just suffice to say that Carol does have to make a sacrifice in order to save the day. And again, this brings us back to Lieutenant Trouble. And this, these last, like the, the the story as a whole, I enjoyed, but these last few pages are really kind of what hit home. Where you cried, didn't you? Hmm? You cried, didn't you? I didn't cry. You I mean, there were there were tear. no tears. <laughs> Maybe a little technical. misty. But, you know, and with with the day saved, you know, they have to kind of tell uh, Kit, you know, exactly what happened, you know, that Carol did have to, to kind of sacrifice a bit of herself to to save the day. And they tell her that, you know, she she has to learn that, and, you know, that she chose her hero well. And a great quote that heroes aren't defined by their powers or their costumes, but by the content of their hearts. And then they even follow this up with the editors and various creators involved here of talking about their own personal heroes instead of a letter column. And that's really what made this story for me of, yeah, you can have big, fun comic book action. But what I love about these smaller events that you know aren't these big line-wide events, stuff like this, stuff like Spider Island, where – I mean, first of all, it makes it very easy to do podcast episodes about it. <laughs> but second of all, it allows the central characters to really stand out as characters. We saw you know, Spider Island was a defining Peter Parker moment, and I think this is going to be a defining Carol Danvers moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. What I liked is just that. It wasn't, um, it wasn't an event that was – the repercussions were – on all of the Avengers kind of thing. It was very much just her. But again, Kelly Sue did such a great job with character writing that you, you, you can feel how each of the other characters, each of the Avengers, each of the, the civilians, the kids, everybody, how they feel throughout it and how it impacts on them. Again, it's a testament to really good writing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, throughout this series, we saw those interactions with Thor, with Jess, with Captain America, with Bruce Banner even. Yeah. And now going forward, seeing you know how they're going to have to deal with this this new this new status Whatever's for her because happen, she's yeah. not going away. You know, she's still around. Like you said, Captain Marvel's coming out next month, but it's going to be a very different Captain Marvel. So it's going to be great seeing how all of the other characters that care about her are going to deal with you know what she's basically left with now yeah yeah and it's just one of those things where so much is personal thing here so much in uh especially marvel comics you know a lot of really serious stuff going on there's not a lot of really heroic stories if you will like we had that for a long time with amazing spider-man but now with superior spider-man 
I wouldn't exactly call it a very heroic story. Yeah, he's he's oh, come on beating now. villains, but he's he's not doing it for you know any altruistic means. A lot of the Avengers titles, you know, where new Avengers, I mean, they're destroying other worlds. They're not really being heroes, if you will. So it's great that at least somewhere <laughs> we can get you know someone who's who's actually doing you know the superhero thing for the right reasons, and well, it's, it's just something that I really enjoyed. It's self-sacrificing. And mm-hmm. I mean, now that we don't have Peter to do that, <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. There you go, Carol. <laughs> Jobs yours. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like once this happened, it made me think. It was like you know, with Spider-Man and its new status quo, it is something we have been missing from a lot of mainstream comics, and you know that it's it's something I'm glad at least happened here. Yeah. But yeah, overall, really, really enjoyed the storyline. I agree. I, I found that it was still a little confusing at times. That was my only issue. Yeah, but, it, it it definitely draws back on a lot of history that and that's fans it, that's it. Yeah. aren't going to know. Yeah, so it's it's not because it wasn't well written. It was because I have not. I don't have a lot of the knowledge that would have been needed to really appreciate a lot of what was going on. I, it was still written in such a way that I I got it kind of thing. But there was still a few points where I'm going like, what? Okay, like there's more here there's there's something going on it and again being able to know whether or not this was just a you know flying off the her cuff kelly's cuff and just making shit up which damn it i thought Dollar i was gonna make it i thought i was gonna make it this episode <laughs> we you know what we should start allowing that word because let's be honest it's not a bad word <laughs> everybody's got to do it sometimes several times a day Anyways, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. What the hell was I saying? Uh, that Kelly Sue was making stuff oh, up. I didn't know, again, in some cases, whether she was just making this up or whether or not it was established lore, established canon. Mm-hmm. I think that would have helped me a little bit more. But again, that doesn't speak to her writing. It's just that it's it's me. Yeah. And All also, right this panel in the final issue with Captain America girding oh his teeth. Oh, was oh my that was brilliant. <laughs> Who did the art on this one? I, we got to give props because that panel that alone. particular issue. It was freaking awesome. Is uh, Scott, Scott Hepburn, or depending on what page that is, because I don't have that handy. Uh, uh, it yeah. might have been Gerardo Sandoval. I think it's uh, Sandoval. Because That's Hepburn, one of those things that I, I did want to mention is getting five issues out in a two-month time span. Of course, there's a, a lot of different artists had their hands in here. And that was really my one complaint that as a storyline, the art wasn't very cohesive. Like you had a lot of different styles kind of mashing together yeah, here. Yeah. And, and not to say it was bad. I mean, it, Captain Marvel has always been, you know, a little more stylized than your average comic book, but and I wouldn't say it's bad. And some of those panels, like the Captain America panel, like that, like that Hulk and Spider-Woman yes. stuff, like some of the artwork was phenomenal in certain places. So I can't complain about it. I just wish it was a little more cohesive. I agree. And, and Hepburn, honestly, does her hair have to be that big? Does Carol's hair because some of those shots that hair there's a lot of moose in there to keep that up there's actually a post that's been circulating around tumblr of all the different artists interpretations of Carol's hair <laughs> okay I'm not crazy about this one okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well I'm going to jump into what we're reading then and uh, just a couple here this week because I've been reading a lot of stuff for next week's episode uh, but first of all Red Sonia uh, the new one came out a couple weeks ago uh, written by Gail Simone and this had gotten a lot of positive press, and you know, I was really interested in checking it out. And I don't want to say it was bad, 
But I will say it. I need to see more before I can really make a final judgment. I, just based on the storyline that she's doing, they had to go through an awful lot of stuff in a very limited amount of pages. So like it was just plot point, plot point, moving on. Like you know, a couple years passed within a couple pages. A couple weeks passed. A couple days. Like it was a lot of very fast paced storyline, which brings the comic to, I guess, the point they need to going forward in the storyline. But unfortunately, it didn't give me any personal investment in the characters or the stakes just because things were happening so quickly. Like, I don't really have any investment in the storyline after the first issue. I haven't even, yeah, not on mm-hmm. my, my list. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'll probably check out the second issue just to see, like, if it, you know, comes out at a more standard pace where, like I said, I can really connect with what's going on. It just wasn't there in the first issue. Right. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you read the latest issue yet? No. This was fantastic for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, you have Tony Stark and Rocket Raccoon having this great bit of dialogue now that Tony has had his uh, dalliance with Gamera, if you will, (laughs) and is trying to deal with the the ramifications of that. (laughs) And when he's, you know, Rocket's like, oh, man, I could have told you that was a bad idea. And Tony starts telling him about, well, you know, he grew up watching Star Trek, and one of the things on his bucket list was a green alien. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You also had Gamera herself uh, coming into contact with Angela, uh, who we saw at the end of uh, Age of Ultron, you know, the Spawn character that is now a member of the Marvel Universe. And just pretty much a knockdown, dragout fight between the two of them. Great artwork. Loved that. And then the ending really sets up the other side we were talking about in um, for Infinity. How with the Avengers off-world dealing with that problem, Thanos comes calling to Earth. And it actually draws back to Age of Ultron, how... Pretty much all of the universe is angry at Earth right now because of the events of Age of Ultron have literally broken time. So they're kind of at the point now where they're like, okay, these stupid monkeys just need to go away. And Thanos is kind of taking it upon himself to be the exterminating factor there. So it's really building up to a lot of stuff. And I find it a little weird that with all we've seen on uh, the other Avengers and all that stuff – at no point, like on the cover, did it say you know it was a tie-in with you know the Age of Ultron or a build-up to Infinity because this is actually a pretty important issue connecting those two storylines, and it didn't really advertise that anywhere. I think that really kind of a missed opportunity. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'll see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that that that's all I've got. Okay. Well, that's because see, I got caught up on Age of Ultron. I had been holding off. Oh, you never off. even finished it. No, well, no, I'd given up on it. I had, <laughs> I honestly. I don't blame you. Yeah. And so, but like everything else, if there's going to be stuff that's going to be regular canon, you got to know it. So I went in and I got caught up on everything. So I read them all. And if you read it in one chunk, it's not as bad. It's. I mean, there's parts of it that I even enjoyed. There's a lot of parts that were so formulaic and you know, cliched. It was unbelievable crap. We've seen so many times and done better. Um, that really, uh, and then there were just parts that were again, because of everybody involved in, and whatnot, that it just, it didn't seem to always click or, you know, not everybody was reading the same notes of what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. That being said, again, I, I did enjoy some of it. So I, I got through all of that and, and it was something too, that I thought that, as, as stupid as it sounds to say, I felt actually ended too soon 
because like it, it gets to the <laughs> ending and it's not like it's really building up. It's I know it's trying to, but for me personally, it wasn't. But it's not that. It's but it's just that it's just like boop, it's done. And it went like, what? What are you talking about? What? And so it, it kind of Well, after nine issues of setup. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, it kind of it you know, when you're looking at a story arc as a graph of how it's supposed to go kind of thing, and it's building towards that momentum, that high peak, and then it kind of dwindles down and relaxes. Well, it was, it didn't get a chance to get very high. It was just like, bloop, it, and you're done. It was like, what? So anyways, so I got caught up on all that. And then I read Hunger Number 1. Did you read that? Yes. Who the hell is Rick Jones? Yes, he's a teenage boy from another parallel universe, but who the hell is Rick Jones? Did I miss something? You missed a lot. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, because that Wait, wasn't Rick in Jones. the age of Ultron stuff. No, Rick Jones. Well, this is Ultimate Rick Jones. Not remember, this is all taking place in the Ultimate Universe. Okay, yeah, but where did he? Where has he been? Uh, he's kind of the Watcher now. Yeah, but oh, no, I picked up on that. But and in which it, issues? Because the only I, I think it was in the Ultimate Galactus trilogy. I uh, don't ask me exactly uh, okay. what all those things were called, but just spare yourself some time and kind of just roll with it at this point. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, did. I did. The ultimate uh, attempt at Galactus didn't go over very well. Because I, the ultimate stuff, the main stuff that I'm only reading now is X-Men and Spider-Man, obviously. So mm-hmm. I haven't even been reading the ultimates itself because I kind of gave up on that after a while. It's so, kind of hit or miss, yeah. Yeah, so this is kind of, was like, okay, I'll roll with it, but I don't know who the hell this kid is. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's... <laughs> It, it, even me, who has read all of it, I mean, an entire issue focused on somebody who, unless I miss something, hasn't shown up in the comics in a couple of years. Like, it, well, see, that's I, a- I know it's building to something bigger and more interesting, but the first issue didn't do a whole lot until the last couple pages. Yeah, yeah see, and this is like everybody realizes I'm the noob. When you're listening to that intro, okay, for <laughs> comic nerds or comic nudes, it's kind of obvious who I am. That being said. I still read a lot of comic books, okay, people? Like, I read a lot of comic books. And so if I'm looking at this and thinking, who the hell is this? That kind of says a lot. Again, that's not speaking highly of myself. It's not like I'm reading all of the comic book sites and things like that. So, yes, I'm missing a lot still, but I still read a lot. So for people like me, of which there's bound to be a lot of us who, you know, yes, we read a lot of comics, but... We won't have a friggin' clue who this is. When you're looking at the importance of what they tried to make Age of Ultron and then the importance of what this is supposed to be with this character that you're like, how the hell are we supposed to care about this kid when we don't even know who the hell he is? And he's just not nose punk anyways. So I really had very little use for this. Especially when you consider that it's not branded as ultimate hunger. It's just hunger. Yeah. So you're going to have people who even at the beginning aren't quite realizing this is the ultimate universe and being double confused. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I yeah wasn't digging it. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, did you read Fantastic Four number nine? The one where Ben had been blaming himself for what had happened to Doom? That was a couple issues ago, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. But I okay, hadn't read yes. it yet. Yes, I was a little behind. So I actually read it because I had been – I'd read some stuff before – about that because um, you you got that I think it was an issue eight where he tells the kids that he blames himself for what happened mm-hmm. so then this is the issue here where you see what happened and I really dug this story and of course man this art oh my god <laughs> freaking awesome um, 
but uh, uh mark bigley but uh the uh i really really enjoyed this issue a lot I want to see more of the Council of Dooms. Yeah, it really wasn't that, that has awesome. to come back up at some point. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, Manhattan Projects, number 12. I'm, I think I'm a little behind on that one. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's still the same. It's still phenomenal. But it's, it's getting, as if you can believe this, it's getting even crazier. Like this, what? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In a very, very big way. This is, <laughs> it's just going I may as well say it and bleep it batshit crazy because <laughs> the stuff that's going on here and it's phenomenal. It's so good. But what I love is how it's tying back to stuff that happened in quite a few issues back. But mm-hmm. now, because you're finding out that one of the characters isn't who he was supposed to be. I don't want to spoil it for you. Seriously, you got to read it though. Okay. Um, but because that person isn't who they're supposed to be, you go back several issues and and they show it and then encounters that happened there's a lot more that was going on there that you had no clue so hickman oh man it's phenomenal <laughs> but what man once again he has made albert einstein such a badass it's unbelievable <laughs> there's a shot here and it's like ash williams has nothing on this this guy Big freaking chainsaw with an E equals MC squared tattooed on the chainsaw. It is freaking awesome. Now, that being said now, okay, okay, somebody told him, Hickman, that his shit was weird. Damn it. Was weird. Man. And he, th- he said, oh, you think that's weird? And that's where East of West came in. <laughs> yeah, that one has been brilliant. Oh my God. So I read two and three. I mean, when you're talking about a comic book with a talking eyeball, that's when, you know, you, you, you're, yeah, you're going into a new territory here. This is an uncharted territory, but you get so into it. You're just like, Oh yeah. A talking eyeball. Kind of makes of sense. <laughs> it, oh my God. I loved the first issue. And this has not been any, nothing different here. Every little, it's, it's like, again, he keeps unfolding something new and there's every page you're turning. There's something new that's unfolding and, and that you, you, you would have had no idea, no, no, no preconceived idea of that this was coming. And so I really like that. I mean, there, there is the story that, Again, you you have a general idea of where it's going, but then there's all these little nuances like death's wife and stuff like that, and and so there's so many of that. It, oh man! And again, the art in this, my god! So and, and clearly, it's catching on because at San Diego Comic Con, there were actually a few people cosplaying as the crow and the really? wolf. Really? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Because this is my god. It's it's just a really good story. Some people, again, if you're not open to very different kind of stories like really different kind you may find this very off-putting but if you can allow yourself to roll with it kind of thing man when you're seeing the freaking (laughs) the chinese army that are waiting for death it's like there's like well they got thousands of them yeah it's a common so yeah no this was i really dug those very cool okay that'll be it 
All right, then. Well, on to this week's new releases. Marvel brings us all new X-Men number 15, Avengers number 17, Avengers AI number 2, Cable and X-Force number 12, Hunger number 2, Iron Man number 14, and here's a nice lineup, Superior Carnage number 2, Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 2, and Superior Spider-Man number 15. Thank you. (laughs) Must buy. (laughs) And X-Factor number 260. DC, we have issues 23 for Detective Comics, Green Lantern, and Swamp Thing, as well as Earth 2, number 15. And from the smaller publishers, uh, I don't know how this one's going to work out. It's RoboCop Last Stand, number one, from Boom Studios. And this is actually a comic version of a screenplay submitted by Frank Miller. Hmm. So if this was before Frank Miller went crazy, it could actually be pretty cool. Yeah. And we also have from Boom, uh, Suicide Risk number four. IDW brings us Godzilla Rulers of Earth number two, Transformers Robots in Disguise number 20. And from Image, we have Fatal number 16, Invincible Universe number five, and Manhattan Projects number 13. Cool, because I got to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots, lots of cool stuff out there this week. So that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. 